Hi, you're listening to An Open Dialogue. I'm Violet Howe. And And this week, we're going to be talking about uh, a topic that we're both, I guess you would say, somewhat passionate about. um, And that is Stephanie Meyer's release of Midnight Sun, which has been a much anticipated book in the Twilight universe. And for those of you who are not Twilight fans, I know you probably wanted to like switch off right now, but um, we would love to have your point of view on on some of this stuff. So if you want to listen in, and for those of you who are Twilight fans, uh, we know that we'll probably be hitting on some topics that you want to discuss. So we look forward to hearing your comments afterwards too. Um, Tadra, how did you how did you become a Twilight fan, or how did you get involved with that world? Okay, so this is this is something I've shared many times whenever anybody says, so how did you become an author? Um, I had uh, gone through a very difficult year. Uh, I had lost both my parents, um, moved to Florida. Um, my husband completely changed careers. Um, my oldest daughter started college. I mean, just like all the stressors that everybody says that, that you know, you shouldn't have more in like, you know, 10 years. I had them all within about 18 months. And um, I got sick. I got really, really sick. The doctor said, you have to stay in bed. Um, you just need rest. I think you're just, you've, you've utterly exhausted yourself. So I was in bed and I needed something to read. And this was pre-Kindle, pre-ebooks. Um, so I was left to whatever was, you know, in my house, which is not a little bit because I have a ton of books and always have been a big book, you know, owner. But I had bought, when we were in California earlier that year, I had, um, at the advice of the bookseller, bought the first two books in this series. And I was kind of like, eh, I'm not sure it's quite my thing. It's YA. Um, I don't really read YA. I haven't since I was in high school. Um, and But it was paranormal, and I did enjoy a good paranormal, you know, like Anne Rice. So I thought I'd try it. Well, I it was Twilight. I read Twilight, and then I read New Moon. And New Moon broke me like yes right <laughs> definitely like crying and and I later looked at it and thought you know what I was probably getting out a lot of feelings that I had been ignoring over these past uh over those past two years and um but it just broke me and then I knew that there was a third book and I wanted it. So um, I, at that point, I only had one child who drove and she was in college. So I broke the doctor's rules and drove down to Barnes and Noble and uh, picked up the third book. Um, I found out that the fourth book was only a month away from releasing. Um, I read the third one and the third one was actually my favorite. Uh, and I, I just was dying to talk to somebody, but nobody who I knew had read these books. So I went online and I found out that there was a a um, fan-imposed silence, like nobody was allowed to talk about the books online because they didn't want any spoilers for Breaking Dawn, which was coming out, um, I think, at the end of August. Um, so I was just dying, and I actually reached out to the uh, the moderators of the Twy Moms group and said, can you just hook me up with somebody local? I won't talk online, but can you just, and they did, they hooked me up with somebody local and we met and, and talked a lot and, and got to be friends actually. And that was, that was how I became a twy heart slash twy mom. I, I think that's been one of the, um, I, I don't know, like one of the most fun 
aspects of finding these books is that that fandom I'd never had that I'd never belonged to like you know book groups or I'd never belonged to like the the a fandom I guess you would say and um it's such a passionate fandom and so that was something that was new for me and something I really enjoyed I was teaching and I was teaching middle school and I had sixth seventh and eighth graders in all uh, levels. I, I taught English and reading, and I had readers in all levels. And no matter what level they were, from my um, struggling readers in sixth grade all the way through to my gifted readers in eighth grade, everyone had this book on their desk with the apple on the front. And I was like, what is this that all of these kids are interested? Boys, girls, uh, the, the dancers, the musicians, the jocks, everybody was reading this book. And so I went to our school librarian and asked, what is this book with the apple on the front? And she said, oh, you might like it. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a vampire book. And years and years and years ago, before my son was even born, I had started a vampire book um, that I hope at some point to finish. But I had started a vampire book and I had about four chapters written in it. So I was like, oh, that would be cool to read a vampire book. So um I started reading it and I was I was just hooked. I was absolutely hooked. And I, I agree with you, like New Moon took me back when I was, gosh, what was I? I think 20. I had my heart broken and shattered into a million pieces. Um, I thought I was absolutely 100% sure what my future was going to be and had already laid it out and painted the picket fence in my mind. And um, that person didn't see the same future as me. And when he left me, like I literally, when I was reading New Moon and, and she has uh, what I think is so clever as a writing device, when she did the chapters and it would just say like the chapter name, that like I, I felt that, like just that gutted feeling of like time is passing and, and not being able to, to be an active part of it. And so I, I loved it. I was very much hooked. When the fourth book came out, uh, we were actually sprinting through Newark Airport to catch a plane and we were late, surprise, surprise. And they were, um, they were calling our names over the loudspeaker, like for, for final boarding. And I saw Breaking Dawn on a display shelf in the bookstore in the airport. And my poor husband literally was like, go, get on the plane, don't let them leave without me. And he stopped and, and bought breaking dawn <laughs> so we almost missed the plane for me to get the book but um but yeah I definitely think you know I the story drew me in the characters drew me in I don't care what anyone says about Stephanie Meyer's writing she was able to make me feel she was able to engage me she was able to draw me into this world and into these characters and I loved it and I wanted more of it and it also was a very cool thing to be part of the fandom when the first movie came out we went to the midnight premiere and they had told us at the theater that we probably wanted to be there at about six o'clock for the midnight premiere. And I thought they were nuts. And so we showed up at like 10, didn't see a line, didn't see anyone. And we were like, oh yeah, they, they kind of overestimated this. And when we went to give them our tickets, they said, well, people have been here lined up since noon and you probably are not gonna be able to get seats together. And our mind was blown. There were like six of us. And 
at that time like they didn't really have merchandise like a little bit of merchandise came out like the day that the movie premiered but people had made their own t-shirts people had made their own you know caps people had painted their faces like it, this was like this amazing thing to walk in and, and be part of that collective energy of everyone loving something so much and being passionate about it and and being so engaged with those characters was a really cool thing people like it was almost like being at rocky horror picture show like people recited lines as they were set on the screen as characters like when carlisle came on the entire theater erupted and even though that first movie i can fully admit to anyone that first movie sucked and i wish they had really put the budget behind it that it should have had but it was still something that was really really cool to see those characters come to life and to be part of that with this collective group of people who just loved it who just loved those stories and loved those characters yeah i i agree um we we did the movies um to me it was not that much different than um you know, that Harry Potter, which we'd been going to the Harry Potter movies since my kids were little. So um, this was more mine, though. And my kids were kind of, you know, I thought, oh, you know, I have three daughters and a son. My son was way too young at the time and wouldn't have been interested anyway. But um, I thought my daughters would really get into it. Um, one did read the books I'm trying to remember and my oldest actually went with me we went to the Breaking Dawn release party at our local Barnes and Noble which was wild to be there that was the first time I'd ever done anything like that um, but she did go with me to that and I remember she, I think she was reading New Moon at the time I think I'd gotten her to read the other ones but none of my girls really um, uh, you know felt the connection there that I did, which I thought was a little strange because they were all closer to the age of, of Bella than I was, M. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, the, the fandom was, was amazing. But I, I think that's one of the things that's kind of special about this book series. I really don't think it has anything to do with um, the age you know what I mean like I, I think some of the things that are in here are universal that it, that you have felt those emotions or you've experienced that and I do think some people identify more with this than others I think that you know as a person who had gone to 16 schools in 12 years Bella being the new student and kind of like navigating you know what everybody's clicks were and who was interested in who and being the shiny new object like things like that um so I, I don't know. I, I just think there's different things in the story that appeal to different people. And I, I know people that loathe these books, absolutely hate them. And, you know, to each his own. Like, obviously, not everybody likes the same thing. But, um, but yeah, I think, it, I think it kind of transcended age and became, like, not just a teenage story. Obviously, by Twy Moms and by all the groups. I think if the, if the movie studio had had any idea, they thought they were marketing to teenage girls. And I really think if they had had any idea how widespread their audience was they probably would have thrown a lot more money at it and they probably would have had a lot more merchandise out prior to the the start of the movie so but moving forward um during that whole like milestone of everything coming out with twilight and everybody anticipating every single review uh stephanie meyer was playing around with midnight sun which is basically twilight from edward's point of view for those of you who haven't read twilight kudos to you for hanging in on this podcast but uh twilight is told from bella's point of view and midnight sun was from edward's point of view and unfortunately in the process of, of kind of 
writing that first initial draft, someone that Stephanie trusted leaked it. And uh, it felt like a betrayal to her, which I understand, completely understand. And it also kind of gave her a bad taste for the project. And I've also heard her say that at that point, too, she was kind of done with the world. Like she had, you know, these these four books had come out and she'd kind of wrapped everything up. And so to go back and, and revisit Twilight and go back through it um, was hard for her. And I think there are a lot of us who have just always held out hope that uh, Midnight Sun would come out that have just held out hope that at some point she would change her mind and she would put Midnight Sun out and um, I saw an interview with her recently where she said she never stopped working on it like it was something that for the past 15 years she has always been working on it um, her mom was a huge champion of the story and and would not give up on it and so um, I know for myself and many, many other fans the news that Midnight Sun was finally coming out was like yes finally I was definitely one of the people who um, wanted Midnight Sun. I, I did, you know, there were a lot of people who said, oh, I'm not going to even read the leaked part. I, you know, it would be a betrayal, Stephanie, to do it. Um, I read it. Uh, I, <laughs> you know what? Well, she was, did post, she posted a portion of it right. on her website because she was kind of like, it's already out there. So I might as well give it to the people who want it. So right. I did read the portion that was on her website. And at that time, it was my favorite of all the books like it like it I I've so wanted that to continue and to hear the rest of it from his point of view right and I actually think I I think I probably read it before she where she put on the website I don't know maybe I didn't it, it's a long time ago I don't remember I read it but I know I did read it um and I was I was really excited and really wanted her to do it um to release that book I I did not know whether she ever would um the idea of being done with that world, I, I, I was, maybe I wasn't at the time, but I shortly after became a little cynical just because um, she did release the, what was it, the short life of Brie Tanner. She did yeah. do that. Yeah, Brie Tanner, so, who none of us cared uh, anything right. about. <laughs> right, who cared? Although I will say, I will say that I felt like that was a, a fairly well-written book, especially for the length that it was. Um, it was. And if I hadn't wanted Midnight Sun so bad, I probably would have been thrilled to get Brie Tanner. But as it was, I was like, I would rather have Edward. <laughs> right. So. Exactly. Exactly. And then um, and then on the 10 year anniversary, I think it was that she released yes. the right. Um, the, basically, it was a she released a new version of Twilight. And on the one side, it was Twilight. But then you flipped it over and it was. Twilight, not from Edward's point of view, which was what we all wanted, but it was um, all the the genders flipped, like a so gender flip. It yeah, was it was uh, yeah. Bo instead of Bella, and, and I I can't um, remember the girl's name. Oh, but it was it was like um, Ethel, Ethel or something. Ethel, <laughs> yeah. Ethel or Evelyn or something yeah. like that. Maybe it was, something yeah, it was, very old yeah. fashioned. Yeah. And that was, I read that. I did read that because I don't know why I did. I just needed something to read. Um, and it was good, but I still found it a little, um, I mean, it was just weird because the whole time you're going, wait a second, who is this supposed to be? Like there would be a J name and you, oh yeah, that's right. This must be Jessica. And um, there were two who she did not flip. And I think it was Renez, Renee and, um, and Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. Renee and Charlie, she did not flip. And I'm, 
I thought there was one other, but I guess there wasn't. Um, anyway, so that was, that was kind of a bitter pill to swallow at that point in time. But then, surprise, 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 we got Midnight Sun. We did. We did. Um, I read it later because I had my own books coming out right around the time that it was that it was coming out. So I had a ton of work to do, and I I actually finished reading it last week. I and I, I kind of like paced myself. I knew like this is this is it. This is the last one. Like I've always had this hope that Midnight Sun would be coming. And now that it's here, this is the last one. So I kind of paced myself in the beginning. I was only letting myself read a chapter to two chapters a day. And then at some point, I got so involved in the story that I was like, screw that. And I just, you know, started reading through it. So um, I definitely, I definitely want to talk about like, it's, it's the story is the same. Obviously, we all knew what was going to happen. We all knew what the ending was going to be like, it's the same exact story as Twilight. But it is a very different story through Edward's point of view. And I think a lot of the feedback that I've read, a lot of the things that I've seen, because I've joined a couple of like discussion groups so that I could talk about this with other people. A lot of the feedback that I've seen is people are shocked at how dark Edward is or how brooding Edward is or how much Edward wants to kill her or how much Edward stalks her and everyone has this negative viewpoint of Edward and um, I want to talk about that for a little bit because I think I, I think that was always Edward but in Twilight we're seeing Edward through Bella's eyes and Bella very much like with anybody that we love we see them in the best light possible and we and we tend to minimize their detriments and we meant we tend to minimize their behavior unfortunately sometimes that puts us in really unhealthy relationships because we don't look at the red lights in the beginning um, we just kind of ignore them or the caution flags and I think that from Bella's point of view you know she saw all this as romantic and protective and interested and that he always wanted to be with her and then when we see it from his point of view he views himself very negatively and he views himself as a monster and he views himself as this horrible creature. And so I think we see like, like almost like we don't get a realistic view from either one of them from, from Bella, he's a little bit too glorified and a little bit too sugar coated. And then from Edward, I think he's a little bit too darkened and, and his reality is probably somewhere in between. What do you think? I think, I think that you're, yeah, I think that you're right. Um, I, I liked the unsugarcoated part. Um, I thought that, uh, especially th there were a few key things that, that hit me. The fact that he pointed out, oh, she really is clumsy. Like she really is just not a, a graceful person. Um, uh, Stephanie, and I think Stephanie had the, uh, the benefit here of having, read everybody else's because I'm sure she read it um, everybody else's interpretation of the mistake she made with Bella you know um, right right there, so this there, is kind of an yeah. opportunity to correct some of that or explain some right? of that yeah to come back and say well this is why this was the you know the case this was and, and that's the wonderful thing about writing from um, a first person point of view is that uh, is that you will you you have the benefit of saying, oh no, well, this was just, this was just how he saw her. This was how she saw him. Um, right. You can make the narrator unreliable. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do it all the time. <laughs> you know? um, I, uh, 
I think that Bella became, I, I have to make this caveat. I really liked Bella. When I go back and think about it, when, when I look at it now through my, the lens of how many years ago that I read it, uh, 12 years ago that I read the book for the first time, um, I look back and go, oh my gosh, Bella was a pain in the neck, whatever. But I remember at the time really liking, really identifying with Bella. There were a few things that I didn't like. Like you said, the, the moving around, all that, I, I could relate to. Um, I, I could definitely relate to certain things. But there were times that I felt like she was a little condescending to the people um, of Forks. You know, she she kind of had this. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And she kind of had this, ugh, you know, world weariness about her. And I don't know that that's necessarily addressed in Midnight Sun, but it was it was something that I think probably put off a lot of people. Um, and she her, is whiny. Yeah. she. I mean, in both books, you can see that. Yeah. She is, I, I feel like she's a very whiny character. You know what I mean? Like, um, and I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing or a good thing. I mean, we all have flaws. We all have character traits that maybe are not attractive, but, um, but I do feel like she kind of, how do I want to word this? Not that she's a victim, but like, she's just like, you know, everything is, oh, you know, he's, he's, he's going to leave me and, oh, I can't stand if he's not going to be here. And, oh, you know, my mom needs to, like, I don't know. I just felt like she was just constantly like, oh, woe is me. And that was one thing that I didn't like about the character. But I feel like through Edward's eyes, I got a new appreciation of her because he sees her in such a positive light. Yeah, he, he sees her as self-sacrificing, whatever. And at the same time, and I, I agree, but at the same time, I think that she was very aware of her self-sacrifice and, you know, kind of, she didn't go to Forks with a, with a cheerful heart when she got there. Let's face it. You know, she was kind of, she was kind of, uh, you know, not happy about the whole thing, even though it had been her decision to go. She was kind of played the martyr, I felt like. Um, about martyr. It. That's yes. the word I was looking for because yeah. she does that. Like, it's kind of like, I'm going to do this for you, but then I'm going to very much wallow in the fact that I've done it for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was surprised from Edward's point of view to see several instances, like he talked about her kindness or her, you know, how she looks out for others or how she takes care of others. And it, and it really, it did give me a different viewpoint of the character because I, I saw her as more of that dramatic martyr in, in from her point of view. And so it was interesting from his point of view to see it viewed through more of a lens of selflessness and kindness. Yeah, I think that that's, that's true. Of course, we have to remember that, um, you know, during the, a lot of the times that he's saying anything positive about her, he's already infatuated with her, in love with her, however you want to phrase it. Right. Um, that was... That was probably my favorite part about the whole thing, though, was the idea that we got to see so much more of the Cullens and their interaction with each other, more of Alice, more of Emmett, even more of Rosalie, yes. I mean, and, and Jasper. Um, Jasper. Oh, right? I have such a new appreciation for Jasper after reading this book. Like, yeah. he's really a badass. <laughs> he, he is. He, he's definitely, um, he's definitely somebody who, you know, she... She hints and Edward hints at the history. Um, I, I liked all that. I did not. There were parts that she kind of lost my attention. I will admit this here and there. When Edward was going on like long memories of 
um, why he had ended up leaving uh, Carlisle and, and Esme. Um, that, that whole section was slow for me. I had, a, I had a and some of that, that, like where, like when they ran into, um, I'm trying to think of who it was that they ran into where like he would go into these huge long stories of what had happened on this one night, you know, back in 1922 or whatever. Like I, I liked having some of that insight like for instance i had never really thought about before that for a long period of time it was carlisle esme and, and edward just as a family and i never really thought about that or thought about what that would do for their bond so in many ways edward is like esme's firstborn you know this is her her first child her oldest child and and so his happiness and the fact that he's been lonely like i can see why she was so accepting of bella or why she was so eager for this to work out um, I hadn't really thought about the fact that it was just the three of them. And so in that respect, I appreciated those flashbacks, but I agree with you that they got long. Like they got where it was like, okay, wait, what are we doing? Why are we still back here in this time period? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely felt that way. Um, yeah. And I, I was surprised actually that I feel like Bella saw them as more of more of a family than maybe Edward did. From Edward's inner dialogue, even though he said, you know, like Carlisle was like my father, Esme was like my mother, there was not exactly the same um, familial feeling between, uh, there, there was a bond between the three of them, but it was not necessarily um, entirely a mother a parent child bond the way that i feel like bella saw it from her point of view and that could be age and that could be um you know just just perspective and that could be the fact that stephanie is you know 15 years older too um i going back to what you were talking about the whining and the martyrdom um that, that it struck me at both now and at the time that stephanie has three sons she doesn't have any daughters and it i remember at the time thinking that her view of teenage girls was very much coming from her own memory and coming from from I don't know maybe stereotypes other things because the the um the way that she portrayed teenage girls was not necessarily um the way that I would have portrayed a teenage girl having three daughters right right I um I think, and someone asked her in one of the interviews that I watched with her recently, you know, whose, whose voice came to her first or whose, you know, uh, how she heard the story. And, and she said that she'd heard it as Bella's voice. And she made the point that because she's never been a vampire and she's never been a teenage boy, it was very hard for her to write from Edward's point of view. And it was only after she had written the books and had spent so much time with Edward and had really gotten to know him well that she felt like she could write from his point of view. So I think you're right that she was writing from her own memory of, of being a teenage girl. And that factors into, um, you know, how, how Bella acted. I always find it interesting when readers say, because obviously all of us are different and, and we can read a book and really relate to a character or we can read a book and completely not relate to that character. And I always find it interesting when people are like, oh, no one would ever react that way. And then the next person might say, oh my gosh, that was exactly how I would have reacted. And so we never know, you know what I mean? Like how, how it's being portrayed, um, 
seems very reasonable and, and realistic to one person and then completely not realistic to the next. So um, an, another thing that I've really heard a lot and not just since Midnight Sun is out, but obviously since Twilight came out, and I want us to touch on it because it's, you know, elephant in the room. I hear a lot, especially after Midnight Sun, about how unhealthy their relationship is, that like Edward is basically a stalker and the fact that he, you know, was creepy enough to hang out in her bedroom and the fact that he's very controlling of what she can do and where she can go and that he makes decisions for her. Um, so let's, Let's kind of like talk about that for a minute. Um, first and foremost, I, I agree. I agree that he's a stalker. I agree that it's creepy as hell that he stands in her bedroom. I agree that he's very controlling. Um, but I also, first and foremost, it's fiction. Like, would I encourage one of my friends to be in this relationship? No. Would I want to be in this relationship? No. But it's fiction. And I, I tend to be able to give things leeway in fiction without looking through the lens of a therapist of like, you know, is this completely healthy? If I'm going to suspend belief that they're werewolves and vampires, I can, you know, suspend belief that he loves her in this way. I do feel like in reading Edward's point of view, I have a, a, a greater understanding of why he felt so protective towards her, why he felt that he wanted every moment possible with her or why he was unwilling, you know, to be away from her. And I, and I think that I'm able to kind of give the character that that was who he was and what he needed without it being creepy or without it being dangerous, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I do think so. And, and the fact that he, he calls himself on it, you know, he says, Oh my right. gosh, I can't believe I'm right. doing this. I, you know, this is this is just, you know, wrong. But it was also interesting that he he did it in a lot of ways to try to um make himself more um immune to her scent, you know, that that he felt like and right. that the more time he spent me. around her. Right. So that he he could be breathing in her scent and be used to it and be used to the pain and and get past it. Um, you know, because the first, I, I don't know, I, because I read it as an ebook, I couldn't tell you, but I think the at least the first third of the book, possibly the first half, it was still, I mean, if you hadn't read Twilight, it was still a toss up. Was he going to kill her or wasn't he? You know? He yeah. Was, and it was very much, I, I do think it was very much darker than Twilight. Like Twilight, there was a hint of like, yeah, he wants to kill her and it's kind of hard for him to kiss her. And in this book, it was like, holy shit, like he really wants to kill her like all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. He was, he was they she did a really good job of portraying that that he was like you know um like, like from princess bride you know good night tomorrow I'll most most likely kill you in the morning it was it was like right. I'll, I'll most likely kill you when i see you in science class and just his whole you know he had alluded in twilight to um uh you know oh, the, those children you were never in so much danger as the first time i saw you and i was going to kill all those children who were in the room with us which i have to say is understandable. Uh, this is just a little side thing. Um, it, it's it's understandable and yet a little weird that that Edward refers to all the people in the high school as children. Um, yes, because right? then that makes it creepy that he's with Bella. And a lot of people do think it's creepy that he's yeah. with Bella because technically he's 109 and she's 17. Um, and I think that you can go with the defense that like, oh, 
oh, but he's a teenager and he was frozen in time at that. But the fact that he views the rest of the classroom as children, but somehow she's fair game does become a little bit creepy. Yeah, it definitely does. You know, I hadn't thought about it that way, but yes, it, it does. It, it always put me off a little bit when he was like, oh, those children or whatever. And and they've explained it that, oh, well, you know, they'd been in so many high schools and they go through this over and over again. But um, yeah, it was, it was uh, that part, that part gave me a little bit of pause. And it is, I mean, I, at the time, I didn't want to say it at the time I read it the first time that, that I read Twilight. Um, but it really is a very unhealthy relationship. And Edward realizes that. I mean, he knows this. This There's no question in Midnight Sun that he is not entirely convinced. And that's why, you know, um, one of my daughters said, well, what did you think? You know, they, they haven't read it. And I said, well, it was it was good. You know, it, it matched up. I, I gave all my, my uh, thoughts about it. And I said, but the ending is entirely different because the end of twilight yes. is hopeful and yes. you know bella is like no nope, oh. we're going to be together it's gonna be great oh. and the end of midnight sun is just i mean it's depressing because it's wrenching you know yeah if, that you that he already knows what he's going to do he has made that decision back at the hospital in phoenix and it's just and every time she life. asks him and he answers i won't leave you and then mentally adds the caveat of until it becomes necessary guts me absolutely guts me because uh how like and, and quite honestly how many guys do we know in real life that they're telling you everything's fine and they're not going to leave but they've already they're already checking out somebody else or they're already feeling like they need to get out or that, like, you know what I mean? Like they're saying something so that they don't hurt your feelings when in reality, what they're thinking and planning and feeling is going to hurt much more in the long run. So yeah, I think the end was just gut wrenching in, in knowing what he had planned and in knowing that he felt like he didn't have a choice. Right, exactly. And and he was very clear about that. And you can understand it because he has just seen how much he put her at risk. Now, there's no way of knowing. And, and Alice points out to him that you don't know whether, I mean, she, she probably would have been killed by the, the van, by Tyler's van. Um, she might have, you know, she might have run across um, James and company, um, you know, even even if she hadn't been with, with Edward. Although we do know from Edward's um, mind reading that um, that it was his his protectiveness of Bella that really set James off. Now here's something that's something else that we haven't mentioned. Um, the the fact that that the great thing about Midnight Sun is that not only are you hearing it from another point of view, you're also hearing a lot of other people's points of view because Edward yes. can read minds. So it's almost getting, like having the omniscient narrator. Like you're is. getting everybody's thoughts. Yeah. And I loved hearing how Alice's mind works. Like, you know, yes. kind of like him going through how she plays out the future and how she yeah. sees things and him going through what everybody was thinking at the baseball field. Like I loved that part of getting yes. that that and, insight yeah and her and her versions of the future you know you know like that there was a version of the future i kept waiting for it to be the actual what we know is going to happen right um, it, but there it's not but you know they, they do talk about a time when bella is older and clearly you know has has grown older and is sitting with alice and and edwards so that was a part of the future that did not a possible play. thread. Yes. I liked the concept of it being a knot yes. and that there were all these different threads and she couldn't tell, you know, yeah. what was going to happen. Which one was gonna 
Um, I wanted to say, like, back for just a minute to the to the darkness and and Edward's like kind of like the unhealthy parts. In his defense, because again, this is fiction, so I I, I can defend the character. Um, Edward, it's not like he's done any other romantic relationships. I mean, for all intents and purposes, this is his first relationship, and he he doesn't really know how to do this or how this goes. He may have some idea of how it was done in his time. He may have some idea from looking at his, you know, siblings and how their relationship goes or Esme and Carlisle, how their relationship goes. And obviously he's been in a lot of high schools and he's watched interaction, but this is the first time he's experienced any of this. So I do think we have to give him a little bit of a leeway that he's trying to figure out what's normal and what's okay in a situation that is completely abnormal and not okay. And so you have like the, what would be anyone's bumbling, trying to figure out how this works. I like this girl. Does she like me? Is she going to say yes, et cetera, coupled with the fact that he wants to kill her, coupled with the fact that he doesn't belong in her world and she doesn't belong in his. And he's just kind of trying to figure out how to navigate all that. And I, and I think Midnight Sun shows a lot of that like his internal processes one of the things that I loved the most like probably one of my very 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 favorite parts of the book was the fact that his desire for her and the way that she makes him feel when he's with her makes him feel as though he has a heartbeat again and that that she kind of like brings out the humanity in him she's bringing out human emotions in him she's bringing out human behaviors in him and the fact that the electrical pulse that he feels when he's with her um, or the electrical pulse of desire that he feels makes him feel as though his heart is beating again and i love that symbolism or i love that that the way that stephanie did yeah i i I thought that that was great The, the love story was um made him more human and I think that was that was the point was that yes. loving her made yes. him more human. Did um, you ever see the movie Warm Bodies? Yes. Oh, I love that. That's that what it movie. reminded me yes. of. Is like you know the zombie yeah. like kind of coming back to life because yeah. of love. Yeah, definitely. What was interesting was that um, I, at the same time that I was reading this, I, I um, had I had opportunity to talk to somebody who was also in the beginnings of a a relationship and was hearing some of the same things. Well, I don't know what she thinks. I don't know what she's thinking. I mean, she, does she like me as much as I like her and, and so on. And so it was, it was definitely, um, you know, very, uh, very cool to hear that, that, you know, Edward was doing the same thing here, you know, here he was. Right. Within the, with, within the abnormal confines of this story, he was going through normal emotions and feelings and worries. And so, um, and I, and I think that there's key parts of this love story that are appealing. And I think that it's appealing to think of someone who would protect you at all cost. Um, You know, does that mean I want someone standing at the foot of my bed while I sleep? No, but I I think there's something appealing in feeling like he always wanted her protected. He always wanted her safe. He wasn't going to leave her side. um, That, you know, that he would go to any lengths, that he would even stand up to his family for her, that he would kill for her, that he would die for her. In real life, we we don't want to be put into those situations. But in, you know, one of the magical things about fiction is that we can be put in situations that wouldn't 
happen in real life or would be dangerous in real life. And I think we like that concept of he's willing to die for her. He's willing to kill for her. He's willing to put aside his own life for her. That whole concept of he's waited a hundred years for her. And this is the one person on the planet. You know, you are my life now. You are my heart now. Like those are intoxicating uh, concepts. And again, they're not concepts that would work in real life or that would even be comfortable in real life. But in, in the, in the loose boundaries of fiction, we can see that and, and love that and kind of feel that, you know, it's that soulmate that meant to be together, willing to defy all odds kind of thing. And for Bella, as we move on into the other books, she has two men that are willing to like die for her and give up everything for her and go against their clans for her and, and you know, pledge their loyalty. And, and there is something intoxicating. I don't think that appeals to everyone, but um, but that was appealing to me about the story is, is that, you know, that the veracity of their love. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I love the fact, bringing up Jacob, that Edward really had some kind feelings for Jacob. He really didn't, he was not upset at Jacob at all. He, um, he really was, was kind of had a, a, almost an older brotherly feeling. He was like, yeah, I, I think understand. he had a lot of respect for he Jacob. He did. He did. Now, I, his, his um, feeling about Billy completely different I that was also very interesting that that yeah he, I love that when he revealed yeah. that conversation yeah when he when he talked about that you know when you, you got to overhear his thoughts with with Billy or uh, Billy's thoughts um yeah that was that was good um it, it it definitely brings up the idea of what would have happened if Bella if what if the events of Breaking Dawn had not taken place would Bella have continued just to age and to you know what what would have their relationship have been like um would she ever have in a sense outgrown that edward and his all-consuming love i don't know um that's something that would we his broodiness ever have gotten on her nerves <laughs> <laughs> would she ever have been like for god's sakes just lighten up <laughs> i um i was interested too that in this book and i don't remember it's been a while since i've read the other ones um but in this book, how much Edward, he kind of throws this in there now and again, and I'm not sure he ever really goes into it, but this whole idea of why he would not want to make her a vampire um, is because it would limit her choices in life, clearly, or an afterlife or an unlife, um, but also the idea of what happens after death. You know, he, he says to condemn her to to condemn her soul. He, he mentions that several times. And that felt like that had not really been brought up in in the other books. But, you know, tell me if I'm wrong there. Could you well, I can that? tell you because as soon as I finished Midnight Sun, I went back and now I'm rereading all of them. Um, I'm almost at the end of Eclipse now. And I notice it much more than I did on the first read through. There's obviously conversations between Carlisle and Bella about, you know, Edward's beliefs and conversations with you know Carlisle and, and his beliefs but That's Edward right. does mention that quite a bit and even like on the night um because I just I just read a couple of days ago the night when Edward and Bella are at the house alone in Eclipse and Bella is trying to bargain with him about what human experiences she would like to have and um he talks about then that that he he says you know if if 
you still you still have a soul and he says basically that you know there's rules that you're supposed to follow and i've already broken almost all of these rules you know i've murdered and i've lied and i've coveted and if this is the one rule i have left that i cannot break like my virtue this is my one chance left yeah, and he also that. says i won't do anything to damn you and keep you from being able to go. If you still have a soul, I want you to, to follow the rules basically. And so I do think in many ways, um, and at the time that I read the Twilight series, um, I was involved with the youth group at our church and we had a lot of conversations about this, about Edward's, Edward's views and Edward's um, kind of like almost like religious leanings and his his thoughts about the afterlife and his thoughts about eternity and being damned and, and sin and things like that. And I think it's an interesting layer of this story. There are so many people who object to the stories because they're vampire and, and therefore they kind of look at that as something that's completely anti-religious. And so I think it was very interesting to bring in that layer of Carlyle's beliefs and Edward's beliefs of, you know, can they have religious beliefs? Can they have a faith? Can they live out a life of faith despite being what has been termed as the damned? Right. Yeah. And and now that you say that, I do remember that. I do remember that those conversations. Um, I, I think it just, it felt almost in Midnight Sun because you weren't hearing the conversation, those kind of conversations between Carla and Edward there. Um, it felt a little like that had been thrown in, um, you know, cause I, from Bella's point of view, I guess I, I can see it. Well, you know what, either I'm either, we're only going to be together for, okay, she's 17 at the time. Let's say she lives to be, you know, 90 or 97. You're going to be together for 80 years and then I'm going to die. And, and, you know, meanwhile, I'm going to grow really old. And, you know, I mean, she has that vision in, I think eclipse where she sees herself and she thinks new it's moon. her grandmother. New and, moon. Oh, new moon. Thank you. And, uh, you know, so she's kind of wondering why, why won't you do this? And, you know, for her, she knows, well, it's the pain. Um, but, but it's gotta be another reason. And, and I think, um, there's that gap in the understanding of what it really is like to be, eternal or immortal and uh and and the limitations of being a vampire well and i think too like if we if we stay in this little like religious vein for just a second bella's very much a person who's obviously not brought up in that environment um you know neither charlie nor renee seem to be particularly religious and and having a faith or having a religion doesn't seem to be something that's been part of her upbringing and i know like you know, you and I've had many conversations about religion and like in, in my upbringing, like I was brought up in a very religious family, both sides, my mother's side and my father's side, very religious. And so that's something that was very normal to me. And that's something that was like, just like breathing air. We went to church, we prayed, there was a God like that, you know, those were things that weren't questioned. And when I got older, I got to college or whatever, and I met people who had not been brought up in that way. And it, and it really was no big deal to them, you know, that they, that praying didn't cross their mind or whether or not there was heaven or hell didn't cross their mind or whether or not they were going to church wasn't something, you know what I mean? So like, if you're not brought up in that, it's not as much in the forefront of your mind. And I think if you look at the time period that Edward was brought up, it was a more religious time and it was a more, I don't want to say virtuous time because obviously people were still 
evil or, or mean or whatever during that time. But I think there was a, a, a greater social code or moral code for behavior in the time that Edward grew up. And I think Bella doesn't have that, you know, she doesn't have that same uh, strong moral compass that Edward seems to have. And so that factors into to her, that's not a consideration, the damnation, the soul, the what happens to her beyond death is not a consideration for her. Whereas for him, he's contemplated this for 100 years. And for him, it's very much he's resigned to the fact that he is damned, and that there's no escape for him. And he's not willing to, to damn her. Right. And I think with Edward, too, the fact that um, Carlisle clearly comes from a religious background because his father was a, a, a priest or a, right. a preacher. Right. Um, would have, and having been exposed to Carlisle's mind for all that time, even if he was not brought up um, with any kind of religion, you know, the, the years of listening to Carlisle would definitely affect him there. So, yeah. And I not agree. just listening to him, but like he mentioned, he mentioned in the book that like if Carlisle believes something, Edward can see his mind. So Edward right. knows implicitly what Carlisle believes, why he believes it, how fervently he believes right. it. And so it's easier for Edward to support it or go in line with it because he, he knows, you right. know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, gosh, I could talk about this forever. And it's so funny because like, this is just one of those book series that when you find people that are really passionate about it, you could just talk on and on and on. Um, and I know that people that aren't passionate about it don't get it. But um Okay, I, I just have to ask, what would you not give to have her write all the rest of the books? I would Edwards love it, especially would. now having right. read Same. Midnight Sun. I want Same. it so badly. And I understand like the, the interview that I watched with her, she talked about it is it's very hard to be in Edward's mind space. And I get that, you know, he's depressed, he's brooding, everything's dark, everything's doom and gloom. And I, and I get where that would suck to be there. And also... She talks about in that interview that I saw with her that she was very limited as to what she can write because the story's already been written. All she can do is write his thoughts and his reaction to it. So it's very limiting in what she can write. And I know myself, like, I've screwed myself with epilogues where I write like a scene in an epilogue. And now when I get ready to write the next book, I have to make it fit whatever I put in that epilogue. So I can understand from an author point of view why she wouldn't want to be in that mind space and how confining that would be creatively to have to basically tell a story that's already been told. But that all having been said, oh my God, I want to know. I want to know what he was doing when he wasn't with Bella. I want to know what he went through whenever he thought she was dead. I want to know what he was thinking when he realized she was alive and in his arms in Italy. I want to know, especially now like I'm reading eclipse and all these things that are happening with Jacob and I want to know Edward's thought process and how he's feeling about it and what he's doing like we get a little bit of his thoughts in the tent when the three of them are together but I want to know what Edward's thinking and I would love 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 to know what he's thinking in Breaking Dawn how he views Bella once she changes what he thinks about the the pregnancy what he thinks once Renesmee's here what he thinks when Bella kind of comes into her power and and especially what he thinks when she drops the shield like there's so much that I want to know from his point of view yeah exactly that was my first thing was as I you know I I, I knew that it was just Twilight, but still I wanted it to be further. I was like, oh, maybe she read a little bit further. Actually, at the end when they're going to the prom, I um, I thought to myself, well, maybe they're actually jumping ahead to where he, because I for, kept hoping that too. For me, that would have been the logical end 
to the first book, not the prom. Now, fr from Bella's point of view, the prom was the logical first end of her story, the first part of her story. But from Edward's point of view, I would have thought that it would have gone to the when, conversation in the woods. Um, yeah, well, uh, yeah, or even just the party, even just her birthday party. Right. You know, right. even if it had just been the birthday party yeah. and him yeah. and him being like, okay, this is what we're doing. This is what. And I would have loved to have seen the conversations in the family because you think about like that happened you know jasper loses his shit or whatever and within what is it 24 48 hours they're out of there the family is gone before he even tells her in the woods that they're leaving so i would love to know what was happening on the back end you know rosalie was pissed you know were they trying to talk edward out of it what was alice seeing like like i would love to know what was going on in the Cullen house during that time period between the birthday party and him leaving Bella. Do they explain, remind me, why Alice does not see what happens at the birthday party? You know, like why did, why did Alice not know? That? Yeah. And, and that's, it's, and obviously we're dealing with fiction. Right. It's one of the issues that I have with the book is that Alice's her powers seem to be like conveniently working and not working when they need to be. Like, I don't understand why she didn't see that if they played baseball, that James and Victoria and Same. Laurent were going to come, you know, why didn't she see that if they went and did this, because she was able to, when they were covering up the scene in Phoenix, she was able to kind of be like, okay, well, if I do this at the front desk, this happens. Nope. Let me back up. If I do this, this happens, you know? So right. I don't, I don't know. Like, um, I know Stephanie's talked about like, when things happen suddenly and it wasn't a decision. So like Jasper didn't decide to attack her like that right. just happened. And so maybe that's why Bella didn't, I mean, that's why Alice didn't see it. But, um, but yeah, that's definitely for me kind of like a hole in the story is like when Alice, when Alice's visions work and when they don't. Yeah. Well, that's part of the, part of the uh, fallacy of writing uh, supernatural powers is that, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I, well, and it's things. hard to make them completely and totally realistic because they're not, no. you know, you're making this exactly. stuff up and you're trying to make it as plausible as possible and to, you know, cross all the T's and dot all the I's. But in the end, it's fiction. Um, I am not going to give up hope. Like I, she said she, she, she used to be adamant and emphatic that she was not going to return to Midnight Sun and that she was not going to write Midnight Sun. And now, you know. 15 years later, we've got it. So I'm not going to give up on her ever doing anything. She did say in that interview that there's probably two more books, maybe three that she has planned in the world. It wouldn't be going back to anything. She wants to move forward. She wants to keep the storyline moving forward. Um, and I feel like it would be other characters and not Edward and Bella. But um, I'll take anything she wants to give me in the world and read it. But I also am not going to give up hope that she'll give us at least some scenes. I think, didn't she at one point, maybe like way back, say that she would like to write um, Renez, May, and Jacob? Like, I, I, I feel she like... She did, yeah. but in that interview the other night, like she didn't, she she kind of hinted at the fact that it, that she would move away from this story and and move forward to something else within this world. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I got the idea from her interview, and I could be wrong, but I got the idea from her interview that it wouldn't be like Jacob and Renesme. It wouldn't be anybody's backstory. That it would be something kind of, kind of like the 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 Brie 
Tanner thing, like where she's branching out in this universe to talk about something else. She mentioned there was one of the newborns that that was like named and had a role and she mentioned that that he definitely factors into one of her stories so i think she would branch out within this universe but not with the same characters well that's a bummer because i really you know i completely agree (laughs) i completely agree oh well um what like very briefly before we go this you know there's people who can who criticize this story and people who criticize the writing or whatever but she she definitely sold a bunch of books she sold a bunch of movie tickets and she ushered in kind of like this whole um i mean obviously there were vampire stories before but i really feel like her publishing twilight kind of like ushered in this huge market of all these other books and all these other authors and all these other stories like paranormal kind of like shot to the top of the charts don't you think Definitely paranormal um, and also YA because before um, Harry Potter is kind of um, recognized as being the, the uh, revitalization of middle grade, middle grade to lower end YA, but really it's, it's, it definitely falls into a middle grade category. Um, but Twilight really ushered in the new age of young adult. Now, young adult for me, when I was growing up, was basically um, silhouette romances that were aged down. You know, it was, it was you know, the, the girl who um, has the makeover and suddenly gets the guy and how does she deal with it? You know, it was, it was, it was there's no vampires there. Right, um, right. And, and they had actually died out in popularity well before Twilight. I mean, this was, this was, would have been in the mid eighties that these were popular. Um, but once Stephanie released Twilight, um, YA just exploded and we know that Divergent, Hunger uh, Games, yep, like all those yep. came on the heels. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, she really is responsible um, in a lot of ways that there are people who might take umbrage at this, no pun intended, but um, sh- that she was responsible for the the uh, craziness of Hunger Games because she recommended it. She said, I'm at a dinner. I remember reading it. She said, I'm at a dinner and I've right. got this book that I'm reading under the table and I hope nobody notices that I'm doing it and it's Hunger Games, whatever. Well, then everybody went out and bought Hunger Games because that's what Stephanie's reading. Right, um, right. Yeah, yeah. So she definitely ushered in uh, a a brave new age of YA, not only paranormal, but a lot of other uh, just basic YA romance. Um, and she inspired so many people to write. I, I always say the perfect storm of the publishing revolution was Stephanie, Kindle, um, and and just people having this this drive to. Um, to write stories and then having an outlet to do, you know, not having to uh, rely having on Having a way York, to publish them. Having yeah. a way to publish them. Yeah. yeah. And that really, there are so many authors who, if I'm at an event and I say, this is why I started writing because it was Twilight during that, that month when I could not, when I'd finished Eclipse and could not have Breaking Dawn yet, I wrote the majority of my first book, um, which, which was done by that December. Um, and, and it was very, it was very Twilight inspired, very much. It was very much a what if. It was a book that had been brewing in my mind for years and years and years before, but there were a lot of elements of Twilight that, that came into play there. Um, and, and there's so many other authors who will say, oh, that's it. That's why. That's why I wrote. That's why I started writing. That was me, you know. So um, she has a lot of people who, who owe her their career. 
or at least even, even if they don't want to give her the credit for it right um she also like you know she's touched upon before and i can't imagine as an author if this was your debut this was your first foray and it hit to this magnitude i can't imagine how intimidating that is to then try to write something else that's always going to be compared to this the success level is always going to be compared to this and like how do you just be like okay well I probably already wrote the book that's going to do the best I'll ever do so how do you keep writing after that I think that would be very um yeah very daunting yeah I would agree I mean she released the host um I think it wasn't that long after Breaking Dawn I mean I, I read it I enjoyed right. it it was fine right but, but it wasn't Twilight the yeah, she said in an interview that she would like to be remembered for writing the host, but she knows she will always be remembered for Twilight. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think that that is the case. I mean, she's not the only one. J.K. Rowling has written a lot of other books. I don't think right. anybody's going to know her as anything other than um, the author of Harry Potter. Right. And you know what? If if while I understand that creatively, that could be very frustrating. Um, if you take a step back, there's a lot worse things to be remembered. Yeah, you know, <laughs> at least she had that. At least she had that success. So yeah, um, what about you? Do you have any desire to write any vampire books? Oh, I do. I have vampire books. Um, Tell us about uh, them. My recipe for death books. He's he's a vampire. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's not it's they're not they're not traditional ones. He was my the, the inspiration for this was that um, I, I remember where I had it actually was thinking about Twilight and thinking, you know, all the vampire books that came out were the, these guys had been made vampires when they were, say, between the ages of 16 and 20. Well, what if you didn't get made a vampire until you were almost 40? You know, right. what, what would your life be like? And so um, in, in my recipe for death books, he, uh, Lucas is, is made a vampire right on the eve of moving to Florida to, uh, to take the house that was left to him by his great aunt. And he moves, it's, it's actually in a retirement community in Florida. And he moves next door to this woman who is um, living in her grandmother's house. And, and, you know, her, the story is told from Jackie's point of view. So this guy moves in and he's weird and she doesn't know what's wrong with him and, and how she comes to find out and how he tells her that he's a vampire and, and, you know, her disbelief and her like, okay, listen, you didn't have to, you know, you didn't have to blow me off by telling me that you're a vampire. You could just say, you don't want to see me anymore or whatever. Um, and, and how that, that evolves. And then, you know, uh, throughout the series, we find out that there's a reason that he was made a vampire and he's actually, cool. yeah, he's actually going to be in the, um, my next paranormal series, which is coming out in January. Awesome. And so where can people find these, uh, what is it? Recipe for fear? Recipe for death. Recipe for Death. For death. And yes. where can they find that? Oh, everywhere. They are at, they're on Amazon, Apple Books, my website, um, Nook, Kobo, Google. Everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. They're well, fun. I have definitely thought about 
revisiting because I mentioned that you know I had started a vampire book. I'm um, intrigued. I, I before I, my son was yeah, even born. I would like to know this. I would like to hear about this. And I have several chapters done in it, and and a story a little bit laid out. I'm not a, an outliner or a plotter, but I have a story a little bit laid out. And so I've kind of toyed with doing it. It just at this point it sucks because there's been so many vampire books, and you don't want to do something that's already been done. So it's like finding that different angle, and finding that way to make it fit. But it's it's a story that's always stayed with me um story that I, I think about quite often and so who knows maybe i'll maybe i'll break out and finish writing it so um we would love to hear your thoughts we'd love to hear your thoughts on twilight we'd love to hear if you've read midnight sun we would so love to discuss it with you i'm telling you people who love this series want to discuss it i'm in a midnight sun discussion group on facebook and there's people who join all the time and go oh my gosh this is a place i can discuss these books and we love discussing them so if you have read midnight sun please comment on our facebook post or please reach out to us you can reach us at an open dialogue one at gmail.com or you can reach us on our facebook page and open dialogue we would love to hear from you and thanks for joining us Thank you so much for being here and indulging us as we talk about one of our favorite topics.